The title of the message this morning is Check Your POV. Check your point of view. What is your point of view? What perspective are you looking from? When I met Jesus, my perspective changed. When you get to know Jesus, your perspective changes. Paul writes that it's a continual renewing of the mind in the New Testament. We don't fully arrive. It's a lifelong journey of getting to know God and seeing things from his point of view. I don't pretend to have attained all this, but I press on to get to know God and to see things the way he does. Today, we're going to reflect on Life UC's word for the year, which is restore. We're going to consider what uh, the restoration process looked like for the Jews after the Babylonian exile. And then we're going to identify how we should respond when uh, the outcome doesn't look like we might expect. But before we go any further, let me pray. God, I just thank you that as your word goes out, it does not return void. And I just ask during this time, Lord, wherever people are gathered, Lord, that these words, your scripture, Father, your words, Father, would minister to your church and to your people in your mighty name. Amen. Well, our word as a church for 2021 is restore. And it comes from Joel chapter 2. It starts in Joel chapter 2, 13, where Joel calls the people of God to repentance. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Go back to God. He goes on in Joel 2, 25 to verse 28 saying, I will restore you. This is God's word to his people. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It looks like praise and rejoicing when God restores. It looks like the pouring out of his spirit and it requires repentance. As I reflect on this season of life, lockdowns, COVID, pandemic, God's not just restoring the comfort or the things we miss. He's not just restoring the things that we lost because of COVID-19. I think it's bigger than that. There were things in our life before COVID-19 that weren't good and that weren't godly. Things like robbed peace, busyness, tiredness, things that kept us from God, that kept us out of his presence, things that we were held captive to. And so perhaps God is working to restore things to us that we'd lost even before COVID-19. Things like his daily presence in our life, the joy of our salvation, our love for him and his love for us. He's restoring a godly perspective. Sometimes it can take an event like COVID-19 to remind us that life is not just about us, to remind us that we, like Jesus, ought to be about our Father in heaven's business. I heard Pastor Christine Kane saying recently that the waves of COVID-19 lockdowns are a bit like a child being sent to their room. Only to come out and the parent asks, what have you learnt? Well, actually, I think you need to go back and think about it some more. So off you go back to your room. God's promise is to restore. So what are you coming out of the room with? What are you coming out of COVID-19, out of lockdown with? Travel restrictions are easing. We're going back to meeting in person. We have an all-in church service next week. The things we've missed and looked forward to, they'll soon be ours. Friends, family, cafes. But a few weeks, a few months down the track, 
we might start hearing people say, well, this isn't what I thought life was going to be like. Perhaps even a few whispers of, there's some things I miss about lockdown. Life on the other side of lockdown is probably going to look different to what we were expecting. Restoration might look different to what we expect. We might look for the old only to discover things have changed because God is doing a new thing. This is what the people of Israel experienced coming out of the Babylonian exile. Around the year uh, 586 BC, Judah was invaded by Babylon. The Jews, God's people, were taken from Jerusalem and exiled into Babylon, and they would stay there for 70 years. But in the midst of this, at the onset, they receive a a promise of restoration from God through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29, it's titled, A Letter to the Exiles. And they're given this promise. You've probably heard it before. Jeremiah 29, 10, verse, uh, verse 10 and 11. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Finally, the 70 years of exile begins. The Persians conquer the Babylonians and the Jews, they come back to Jerusalem. They come back ready for the promised restoration, only to find it looks much different to what they were expecting. They go back and the temple is in ruins. There are other people living there. The Persians are ruling. They're surrounded by enemies. It's but Uh, It did not look like God's favor was upon them or that God was doing a work of restoration. The restoration and life after Jeremiah 29, 11 didn't look like what they expected. The lived reality for the Israelites is that life didn't quite look as rosy as they thought. And perhaps coming out of COVID-19, it might feel jarring and not quite what we expected. But God's word is still true. His promise is still true. True. God doesn't promise rosy, comfortable, a life free of difficulties, but he does promise a plan and a purpose. He does promise not by my, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit declares the Lord. He declares, behold, I am doing a new thing. We're not going back to normal, but God is working to reawaken the promises that he has spoken. The promise and the vision, it's still yes and amen. It just doesn't look like the old, so stop looking for the old. Though things might look different to what we expect, the promise of restoration stands. The promise, it hasn't changed, but we might be required to adjust our point of view. How should we respond if it doesn't look like what we expect? If life doesn't look like what we expect, how should we respond? We need to adopt God's point of view. We need to try and see things the way God sees things. I have one point for you this morning, church, and it is this. Choose God's point of view. Seek a divine perspective on your circumstances. Stand on God's promises. Choose to seek out God's point of view. To seek out his point of view, we have to acquaint ourselves with God and with his word. Because from God's point of view, we are seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6 says, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms. We're seated with a heavenly perspective. We ought to be looking down on the, the world and our environment and our circumstances from God's perspective. 
We ought to heed the advice of Psalm chapter 1, meditating on his word day and night. Those that do will be planted like a, like a tree planted by a river, bearing fruit in season. We ought to listen to the advice in Hebrews chapter 12 to continue meeting with other Christians. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And from God's point of view, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us, you are not your own. You were brought with a price. And that price was the death of his son, Jesus, on a cross. His death was the payment for the sins of all people that we could be put into a right relationship with God the Father. If we realize we were bought with a price and that we are not our own, we begin to see why God would never leave us nor forsake us. He paid the greatest price possible. We ought to get to know him and to see things the way he does and see ourselves the way God sees us. See yourself the way God sees you. When things don't look like we expect, therein actually lies an opportunity. Therein lies an invitation to test our motivations and to test where we place our trust. Because when we look from our own point of view, we're often too quick to pray, asking God for what we want, imploring him to answer our prayers the way we want them answered. Sometimes we even go so far as to tell God what he should do. But Jesus teaches in Matthew 28 that this is how you ought to pray. To your Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Not Aaron's will be done, not your will be done, but God's will be done. Paul has this realization in scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us that he has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what the thorn was, physical injury, emotional hurt, other. But Paul prayed that that thorn be taken away. Three times it says he prayed earnestly, God, take this thorn away. But God's response in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 was not to take the thorn away, no, but to tell Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's God's word to you all day Every day, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Instead of asking God to take, uh, sorry, upon hearing God's word, Paul's point of view changes. His perspective, it shifts. Instead of asking God to take away the thorn, Paul determines that he's going to boast all the more in his weakness because his weakness prevents him from being proud. He ends up thanking God for the thorn. Sometimes we ask God to take away the very thing that he's outworking his plans and purposes through. Instead, we ought to be praying to God that it, his plans and purposes be achieved through that thing. His will be done. Do you pray, God, your will be done? Or are you still praying, asking God to take the thorn away? Are you looking from God's point of view? Because as we seek him and seek his will, we begin to pray, God, your will be done. Adopting God's point of view doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're going to see everything clearly. It doesn't mean either that things are going to be easy. But can I implore you, church, never become a fair-weathered Christian, trusting God when all is well, but doubting Him when things are tough. The, the Bible promises joy in place of mourning, and it also promises rejoice in suffering in 1 Peter 4, and to praise God for the privilege of being called on His name. 
So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. Trust, faith, suffering, confusion, they're not incompatible and sometimes they go together. Imagine the silence, the silence in Bethany after Lazarus has died. Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus days before uh, Lazarus died and they heard nothing. Silence. John chapter 11 says Jesus stayed where he was for two days upon hearing the news. By the time Jesus turns up, Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. Imagine the confusion for Mary and Martha. They knew Jesus could heal Lazarus, but all they got was silence. Though Lazarus was in the grave, Jesus was still on the way. Jesus arrived and he rose Lazarus from the dead. Jesus did what Mary and Martha hoped he would do, but it looked nothing like they expected it to. Waiting in God's silence lies an opportunity, an invitation to learn to trust him, to seek him, to draw nearer to him. We even sing, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even if I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. But do we believe it? Job. Job, he knew God. Daily, Job sought God. He was acquainted with God. He lived well. Yet God allowed everything to be taken from him. His wealth, his health, his family. Though his circumstances changed, his voice, it remained the same. He kept on professing his trust in God. He makes this incredible statement in Job 13, 15. Though he, God, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Because Job sought God, he knew God's good nature. Though Job lived well, there was pain, yet he trusted God. Job had chosen God's point of viewing. Knowing the very nature of God, even though his circumstances didn't make sense, he continued trusting God. As your faith, is your faith, sorry, is your faith in your circumstances or is your faith in your God? Are your eyes fixed on your circumstances or are they fixed on your God? Oswald Chambers writes this most challenging of statements. He says, if through a broken heart, God can bring his purposes to pass in the world. Then thank him for breaking your heart. Difficulty and suffering will come in this life, but it ought not to shake our trust in God. I'll rejoice come every battle because I know God, that's where you'll be. When we seek God's perspective and we adopt his point of view, we begin to develop the type of faith that can say, though you may slay me, God, yet will I trust in you. We seek his point of view, his will, and trust him and heed his call to arise and shine. In Isaiah chapter 60, after the return from the Babylonian exile, God's words to his people is to arise and shine. Though darkness may surround the favor of the Lord, it shines upon you. God's call in Isaiah chapter uh, 60 verses 1 to 4, it says this, and in the new uh, Uh, In the Passion Translation, it's titled uh, The Glorious New Day. The Glorious New Day. God's word to his people after returning from the exile in this moment of uh, his era of restoration. He says, rise up in splendor and be radiant. 
Your light has dawned and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth and thick, thick gloom covers the nations. But Yahweh arises upon you and the brightness of his glory over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light and the king to the sunrise glory of the new day. Lift up your eyes higher. Lift up your eyes, church. Look around you and believe. Your sons and daughters are returning from far away. Watch as they gather eager to come back to you. Arise and shine, church. Look carefully. Yes, though darkness may be around, though things might not look like what we expected them to, God's favor, it shines upon you. And you're called uh, to shine his light. A glorious new day is dawning, church. I don't know what life is going to look like over the next few months, weeks, years ahead, but I'm confident that God is doing a new thing, that he is doing a good thing, that he is outworking his plan to restore humanity into relationship with him. We need to adopt God's point of view on our circumstances to trust him, to seek his will and to arise and shine. Don't be encumbered by the things of this world. Don't build up treasure here on earth. Don't get caught in sin that so easily entangles, but fix your gaze on him. Look down from heavenly realms. Remember that his power is made perfect in your weakness. Begin to look at things the way God looks at them. Thank him for what he is doing. Determine that though I may be slayed, yet will I hope in him. For you are not your own. You were brought with a price. And the price of that was the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. 